everyone and welcome back to another episode of nothing but net presented by deep dive sports we are now into the nba finals which is super exciting um i have myself evan along with david and nick here and we're just gonna talk today about the conference final series a little bit going back how those ended up how we got to where we are in the finals currently um and then of course talk about the NBA Finals, where we are right now, which is when we're recording. It's the day before, in the afternoon before Game 3, so the series is tied one-to-one. But before we jump into the Finals itself, um, I'd love to go back and get your guys' thoughts on the Conference Finals. Um, So I guess we'll just start off in the Western Conference, um, which the Nuggets ended up sweeping the Lakers in four games. Uh, They kind of showed that they were really on a different level, I think, compared to the rest of the West. They swept, you know, LeBron, AD, and the Lakers to make the Denver Nuggets' first ever NBA Finals. And one thing just to note, too, about uh, Game 4, LeBron uh, did really try in that last game. He had 40 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists, um, but he also did miss two tying shots in the final seconds, including his last shot, which was blocked by Aaron Gordon. So I just want to hear your guys' thoughts a little bit about the Western Conference Finals series, what you thought watching it. Um and, you know, maybe if you see anything from the Nuggets that might transfer into this upcoming series. So whoever wants to start can go right ahead. I'll actually start on this one. So I could go either way on this one, mainly because it's like it's no surprise there here, I should say, because it's like Denver was clearly the deeper team, the better team overall. Um, and yes, LeBron James was on the Lakers and that was the other side of this you couldn't he's kind of like Tom Brady you couldn't really bet against him all that much much less bet that he was going to get uh swept in the Western Conference Finals which by the way the only I think the only other time he had ever been swept was in the actual like finals mm-hmm. with Cleveland uh both times and but um yeah so Denver definitely showed up definitely put that team down in put down the uh, Lakers in four games so, and then actually, I'd like to point something out, by the way, and fun little fact about the finals. Um, since 1978-79, when the Seattle, C- C- ah, Seattle Supersonics, I almost said Seahawks, right? <laughs> um, won the NBA finals, uh, the only teams to not only represent the Western Conference finals or the Western Conference and also to win the actual finals were either from Texas or California. <laughs> so that was 23 total times, and the teams involved were the L.A. Lakers, which they won 11 times, the Houston Rockets when they won twice, San Antonio winning five, Dallas winning one, and recently Golden State winning four. So let's see if Denver can actually pull this off and be the first team that isn't from Texas or California <laughs> to win for the Western Conference. Oh, that's really interesting. I've never heard that stat before. And I, I was, scro- I forget where I was scrolling. It was either through Facebook or Twitter, one of the two. And it came up on my feed. And I was like, huh, 
And so I, I looked it up. Yeah, so, that's really oh, interesting. Because there are six, what is I think there are six teams between the two states. But then also, you got to think the, uh, I know at least that the Clippers and the Kings haven't won a championship. And did you say that? I don't think the Mavericks have won. No, they have. Yeah, they won. They won. So, they won so really, that's only between four teams out of the Western. So it was L.A., the Lakers, uh-huh. winning 11, Houston winning two, San Antonio winning five, Dallas winning one, Golden okay, State winning teams. four. Five teams. Yep. That's crazy. I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, so for the last, like, 30 or so years, the only teams that ever won, keyword, won, right. the finals right. were from those two states. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> So that's what I got. Um, that's huge. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I guess that'll be a big uh, feat for Denver to win, you know, outside of the, the two big states. And of course, I think those states all have the most NBA teams. So I guess it makes sense in a way, but still kind of surprising for it to be uh, just those five. But is there anything you wanted to add on to this Western Conference final series at all, Nick? It's tough. I think I think that's the the biggest thing. I think when you look at an NBA team and you know as much people are going to look at this and and put a lot on LeBron and, and his legacy, you know, being swept or whatever, but it's it it just like any other sport, it's a team sport. You can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I understand having, you know, being the face of the team, being, you know, who LeBron is, it's going to be a lot on him. He's the leader, he's going to take it. That's that is what it is, but you know, when your your second guy that's beside you and Anthony Davis can't defend <laughs> their best player and and he can't he's not really being that productive offensively or at least that efficient uh, when he is scoring a lot of points. And then when your role players just aren't as good as the other team's role players, that just, that sucks. I mean, you have D'Lo who just became a defensive liability in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have loved to have him, you know, be a little bit more productive offensively, but at the end of the day, he just couldn't guard Jamal Murray. So you couldn't have him on the floor and it didn't really do much because he still, he still went off. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Darvin Ham being what this is probably his first coaching gig, first year being a head coach. Mm-hmm. So hopefully there's only, you know, an upward mobility from here. But yeah, I just think that the Lakers were tired. They're old, <laughs> at <laughs> least in LeBron's sense. And you can't expect LeBron to, he's just not going to be able to be, he's not what he was five years ago. It just, it just isn't. It's not realistic to think of it that way. He's almost 40 years old. So, and the fact that he still almost had a 40 point triple double, you know, I know it kind of gets a little tarnished by the block there at the end of the game, but I mean, Aaron Gordon is a phenomenal player. I mean, Aaron Gordon is starting on the majority of teams at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think that you, you can't really diminish in that by saying like LeBron, you know, aged Aaron Gordon had an amazing block, stopped them from, you know, winning that game and uh, advanced them to the finals. So I, I don't know. I I think I think ultimately the Nuggets deserve to go there. I think we had this conversation the last the last time about their their role players and, and those like five or six guys behind you know their two main superstars there. Like they have some of the best role players in in the league at this point. Some of the guys that are even the guys that are coming off the bench might be able to start on a lot of teams in the league. So yeah, I mean that's just that's just that's just a tough team to run into, especially for a Lakers team that. You know, I think spent so much energy getting through the Grizzlies, getting through the Warriors mm-hmm. to run into a team like that, probably not have much <laughs> left in the tank to to continue going. But it's a it's a it's definitely a uh, something we'll kind of look back in. And uh, I'm sure 
the LeBron fans will be like, look what he did. He still dragged that team to the Western Conference Finals and all the haters will be like, what he got swept doesn't (laughs) matter. And you're like, but he shouldn't have been there. Like they shouldn't have been in that situation. We were talking about them before the trade deadline being like, are they even going to make the playoffs? Mm -hmm. And obviously they make all those moves. And then I I just think, I think it's a phenomenal thing to see what the Lakers and the Heat were able to do. And now the Heat we'll talk about in a little bit being in the finals. Like both of those teams being in the plan, both of those teams basically being, the bottom of that playoff bracket once the play play and ended and you're kind of just like there's no we don't see a path for either of these teams making it to the to the eastern conference or western conference finals let alone the finals and now we're in this situation where you know those two scrappy teams they they made it pretty far and then they showed everybody that you know especially their superstar um on their team especially in lebron still has it has it in the tank if, if he can have the right guys around him so kind of to see what they retool and come back later and obviously we'll talk about the finals and the the nuggets look like a team that is just if they're hitting there's nothing there's nothing stopping <laughs> those guys so we'll see yeah i think i think you make a lot of great points and that kind of leads into the point that i wanted to make about this series was I really think it was more about just how good Denver is than anything really bad on the Lakers side. Like, no, the Lakers didn't play, you know, perfect games, a perfect series, but they weren't bad by any means. Like we talked about LeBron having a near triple double at the end. Um, AD, like even though Jokic was playing really well, AD was doing well on him defensively. He was just making shots. And like, sometimes that's hard. Um, But you got to think also, like we like you said, the Lakers, you know, they started off two and ten. They they were the seventh seed going into everything. And look at who they beat to even get to this point. They beat the Grizzlies, who were the two seed in the West. I know they had some their own issues, you know, um, off the court stuff kind of hurt them, I think. But a lot of people had them going very far in these playoffs. And then they beat the Warriors, the defending champions, you know, still with Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond. And a lot of people didn't have the Lakers winning that series either. So, yes, the Lakers did get swept by the Nuggets in this series, but I think it was really just the Nuggets really showing how good of a team and how unstoppable they can be when everything's clicking rather than the Lakers, you know, playing poorly. And even though it was a sweep, like most of the games were pretty close. Uh, I think all of them were, there was one that was an 11 point game, the rest were within 10, including, you know, the last one, which is a two point game. So, it's hard to say there's a close sweep, but I think it, again, just shows kind of the unstoppability of the Nuggets in a sense. And and I'll talk more about this later when we talk about the finals, but I think that team they build around Murray and Jokic is really uh, just the perfect fit around their two stars right now. But anything else you guys want to add about that Western Conference Finals before we move on to the... All right. And then, of course, in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, the Heat beat the Celtics in seven games, which... The Heat really stopped the Celtics short of history in a way in that they denied the Celtics bid to become the first team to ever come back from 3-0 in the playoffs. Um, Of course, the Heat came out firing in those first three games. Jimmy Butler had really good games. Bam Adebayo, all their guys were really playing well. Um, And then they cooled off and the Celtics kind of caught fire and credit to them, um, you know, their players and and even their first-year coach, Joe Mazzula, for, you know, getting them back all the way to force a game seven but ultimately in that game seven um Miami really just came to play and kind of beat the brakes off the the Celtics it wasn't really much of a game throughout the whole thing um but maybe we'll start with Nick this time since David went first last time what thoughts do you have on uh that Eastern Conference final series I 
I, like I said before, I think it's a, I think we'll look back at this playoff, you know, 10 years and be like, how, how do they do it? I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that when you talk about the heat, there's just so many dudes on that team that are so scrappy. And I think they just want it so bad. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I think they said like the, out of the seven guys that contribute to that team, I think five, four or five of them are undrafted guys. So you're talking about a, a team. Sorry. I think it's four. Cause you have Kyle Lowry. who was actually, but you have four guys who are pretty much undrafted. Tyler hero is not able to play right now because he's hurt. Obviously, hopefully maybe he'll be able to come back, you know, for game three or game four, but he just hasn't been playing. So, I don't – it's an improbable thing. It shouldn't have happened. But when you want it that bad and, and you work that hard um, and you talk about the storyline that's being built, I, th- I think that the NBA and, and most sports are basically you look at anything and the storyline drives stuff for some reason. I don't I, – I, I thought the storyline of, you know, Celtics, Lakers, LeBron, you know, I thought that would matter more in, in the ether this year, but it, it didn't. I think the, the Nuggets and Jokic and all the chatter around him, you know – you know, winning all the MVPs and not winning a championship. And then the Heat just being this team that should never have made it to this point. They're here. And and when you talk about the Celtics in this this series, you kind of have to question, like, what happened with each of those guys. Like, I know know Jason Tatum, everyone is going to say, you know, I've heard so many things about them being like, oh, you know, he is a bona fide superstar. Like, he is a guy in this league that is going to be the face of the league. But I just don't, I don't see it yet because he's such an inconsistent player. And I think that's, that's his biggest thing is like him and Jalen Brown, both. They're very inconsistent. You can't have it where like one night Jason Tatum scores 40 and Jalen Brown is cheeks and you can't flip it. You know what I mean? That's, that's just, it, it, it's not something that can happen. They both have to be hitting. They both have to be there. And especially Jason Tatum, if he's going to be the guy that's been deemed to be the best on the team, to be the best superstar, to be the leader of that team, he has to be consistent. You know, it's not at at this point, I just don't, I don't see how they go down 3-0 and you look at either of those guys and you're like, yes, I want them to lead my franchise at this point. Now they came back. It was a game seven, but like you said, they kind of got spanked. So I don't know. And the other thing I, I did see, uh, like there, so it was um like three out of their starters because Marcus Smart starts, um, Al Horford starts, and then I forget the whoever else starts for that team. But they're basically uh, like I think Derek White has been Derek White maybe recently, yeah. But outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like three of the their starting positions because I think guys have been rotating and that's what it was. The other three starting spots mm-hmm. were ranked in the bottom three of the for people who have been, been in those spots throughout the regular season and the playoffs. So you're like you're looking at a team where like those role players just weren't they weren't performing the way that they're supposed to. And like we talk about Al Horford not performing the Al Horford the way he's performing now is kind of <laughs> outrageous because of how old he is how long he's been in the league. Yeah. But you can't, you can't rely on you know, even though he's performing good for what he is at this point, it's not good enough to win a championship. And I just think that they're going to have to go back to the drawing board with this team and really look at Marcus Smart, really looked at um, what Malcolm Brogdon and really look at, you know, their direction with Al Orford and whether or not they want to move on from him and keep going forward. You know, Derek White, I think there's been lots of speculation about whether or not they keep Jalen Brown and and uh, Jason Tatum together. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I think it just depends on if they were to get rid of one, what they would get. But there's a lot of internal look that they're going to have to do with this Celtics team because you got spanked. You got spanked <laughs> by a Miami Heat team that, granted, yes, they beat everybody else they played to get there, but you should have once. Like, 
there is no real reason why Miami, on paper at least, won it, other than they just wanted it more. And that's the only thing I can think of. Because Jimmy Butler, as good as he's been in the playoffs, we've had this conversation. He's not this good in the regular season. Like, he's not <laughs> He's not this guy. Like, I understand everybody wants to be like, oh, Hemi Butler buckets. Hemi buckets, and he's the, he's so great and everything. But when you look at regular season, you're like, but he's not. He's not that superstar. Like, he's definitely like a second-tier superstar within the league in the regular season. But when the playoffs hit, he's like freaking just a monster. And I just don't know... And even in the playoffs, he's been kind of inconsistent too. It's not like he's been consistently great. So I I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. I think you know props have to be given to the Miami Heat, but there are a lot of the Celtics. Like you, they're they're gonna have to figure. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of choices to make in the off season. Um, of course, the biggest one I know that uh, you mentioned it, but Jalen Brown is eligible for that super max extension, and it's kind of like, do we want to be paying him? I think it's something like two hundred ninety million over the next five years, which is absolutely insane. So they're going to have to figure out what to do there. But um, it's, I'll transition. Uh, it, it's still less than what Messi is making. <laughs> well, <laughs> what he's going to make. <laughs> that is the truth. That is the I don't truth. Know if you guys but it's it, like, like <laughs> the Saudi club wants to pay him $1.2 billion for two years of services. But it's like Messi, Jalen Brown. <laughs> I know, not to compare the direction. So this came out... Uh... Today, no, I know. I three. saw I saw the inter Miami stuff too, but I've seen both of them. They're not they're nothing's confirmed yet. So he's either gonna go play for Saudi or he's gonna play for Inter Miami. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure which one, but if I were him, I wouldn't turn <laughs> going around and messing around playing soccer for two years. But it'll be definitely be interesting to see what happens because they've they've paid out that's like the third guy that they're gonna pay a crap ton of money to because there was another mm-hmm. guy that's getting paid two hundred some million dollars a year and then a third one that's getting paid a hundred million dollars next two years. So I don't know them and live golf, but anyway, sorry. Back Which to the... they, by the way, before I go on to what I'm gonna say, they did uh, uh, merge with the PGA. Yeah, definitely an interesting. That would be an interesting topic for another show once that kind of comes yeah. out and sees what that's gonna look like. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Anyway, more of the details on that will be interesting because I know there's a lot of guys that took a lot of money from live and then a lot of guys that didn't, and now mm-hmm. it's kind of. All one and the same. So that'll be interesting to see what the details come out. But yeah, David, go ahead and and so uh, Nick kind of so Nick kind of covered majority of what I had, which was concerning Butler or not Butler, uh, Brown and uh, Tatum. Tatum, thank you. Uh, I couldn't think of his name for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won't cover that any more than Nick already did, since he covered that pretty good in pretty good detail. So, um, anyways, the things that. I, Outside of that, that I really wanted to cover was that he mentioned that Jimmy Butler was inconsistent, which he was. And he ended up winning the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. And so I saw this get brought up one morning when I was at the gym and they were talking about Caleb Martin. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Caleb Martin win it? The guy was there. He was more consistent and showed up better than Jimmy Butler did in the Eastern Conference Finals. So why didn't he win it? So good question. <laughs> that is a good question. Just, it's not the it's it's not it's not the sexy pick. I, I think that's probably mm. you give it you give it to Caleb Martin. What is that really? I, I don't I, I don't think Jimmy Butler would have cared either way. I mm. think he just won he just won the championship. But I think unfortunately, like as much as people say, like you know the games are rigged. I don't think the games are rigged. I mean, whether that's the mm. awards that get handed. Like there's there's been mm-hmm. years where you're like, why did that person really? Win? They weren't the best player. So. I just think that when you talk about this award that was handed out, 
as inconsistent as Jimmy was, he was still huge for the majority of that series, whether he was effective defensively. Get somebody like Caleb Martin, he's going to be him and Duncan Robinson are the real reason they win a finals because they'll be hitting alongside mm. Jimmy. And- yeah, I think that's a really interesting point too. And um, I was also on that train. Like I was like, you know, I think Caleb Martin should win. And I think there's, I don't exactly know the process, but I'm pretty sure there's nine media members that vote on the Eastern Conference MVP. And I saw somewhere that it was five that voted for Jimmy Butler and four that voted for Caleb Martin. So it, it was actually pretty close. Um, watching the games, I think you could definitely see Caleb Martin was more consistent. But at the same time now, when you're when you're pulling up the stats and I have them up here, uh, Jimmy Butler averaged about five more points per game, uh, about a rebound more, five more assists per game. And he had 2.6 steals per game, which I think is a huge part of it as well. So I was kind of with you and like Caleb Martin definitely watching the game looked more consistent. But at the same time, I think it's a combination of just the stats themselves um, and the the narrative sense of like, it is the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, but I think a lot of people take like the whole Eastern Conference run into consideration too. Um, and of course, like Jimmy during the, some of those games against the Bucks and even against the Knicks, like throughout the whole thing, he's obviously been a, a huge part of their team getting this far. So I think that was probably a piece of it for sure. True, true. Anyways, so Nick had already covered most of what I had uh, in terms of Boston and whatnot, so... The one thing I'll say, too, about this that I found really interesting and really funny um, is there was actually, as, as a lot of people probably know, last year at the Eastern Conference Finals was Boston versus Miami. Again, it went seven games. Uh, Miami actually had home court advantage last year, um, and they actually lost game seven on essentially a Jimmy Butler missed three. And after that game, Jimmy Butler said in his press conference, next year, we'll we will have enough. We're going to be right back in the same situation and we're going to get it done, which <laughs> I think it's kind of crazy. Like it doesn't seem that crazy him saying that last year, but now when you see it was game seven, it was against the same team. They were back in the same situation and they did get it done. It's, it, it's kind of crazy how much that quote, quote actually came to be the truth this year. Um, so I don't know if Jimmy Butler is like that's so raving it or if he can see the future, but who knows? <laughs> Um, anything else you guys want to add on the Eastern Conference Finals before we move into the Finals? All right. Then we will move on into the NBA Finals. Of course, the most exciting uh, series of the year, at least at least we hope it will be. It's looking like it will be right now with the series tied one-to-one as of when we're recording this. Um, and maybe we'll just hop into it a little bit uh, game by game. So game one, um, the Nuggets won the first game 104-93. to and in my opinion, they really won that game one by they really shot the lights out and they were dominating the heat with with their size advantage um, in that game. So I wanted to hear if you guys had specific thoughts about game one or maybe just the start to the series um, in Denver taking that that early lead in the series. Um, for me, it was Denver actually showed up on defense as well as offense Great point. for game one and in game two. I actually was at the gym this morning, and I know this happened as well. Um, They didn't really show up on defense as well as they could have been. And I know that the um, upper management, the the general manager and stuff like that, the front office, that's the term Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, uh, actually came down after the game and was like, where was the defense on this matter? They actually came after game two, after giving up 108 points, and were like, 
what happened. So I think that just right now kind of like sums up these first two games. It's like, okay, you gave up a decent amount of points and 94 points, but you also balanced it out with really good offense. And then you didn't show up on either side of the ball. Uh, Well, not enough to actually win the game. Um, What happened? So I think that just comes down to show how much Miami also wants to win the actual finals as well. So we'll have to wait and see for game three through seven if needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick, you want to add anything kind of about either game one or just kind of the start to the series, what you've seen? I mean, I, I think you kind of said it perfectly. I think that just the answer to Jokic, I think they were still trying to figure that out in game one. Um, obviously, Jamal Murray has you know, phenomenal too. I, I think Jimmy kind of had a little bit of an off night and then, you know, their role players no didn't really have a phenomenal night in the Miami. Obviously, I don't think they got blown. You know, obviously it was about like their fifth, like fifteen, like that. So, uh, yeah, like eleven. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I was closer with, but <laughs> I, I just I think that in you know if you want to move or not or if yeah, go ahead. Um. But like with what David was saying with game two, I I don't know if it was necessarily like defense because the score you know it wasn't like they scored. Um. Obviously, you want to be more sound defensively, chance that you can get. But I think. I think they just made Jokic a little uncomfortable. Not that he, you know, scorpions or, you know, you know, lead the offense. But I think if you can make him a little inefficient, a little uncomfortable, I think that that helps the flow of the game a little bit, um, breaks things down. I think where the Heat are very successful is when they can running. You know what I mean? I think the Denver Nuggets want to slow down the game um, because they know they don't really have, like, the isolation guys to to do you know like bam's not a guy who's going to be able to be isolation mm-hmm. you know as as good as jimmy is i think he's probably the only guy that could play isolation ball but i also yeah. think he thrives when he can kind of run the offense a little bit and be a little bit more uh, mobile but the rest of their guys are a lot of three and d catch and shoot kind of guys they're not they're not isolation kind of guys so the heat thrive when the game is fast paced in transition so if you can make Jokic uncomfortable if you can make jamal murray uncomfortable you can make them turn the ball over a little bit more you can make the rest of those guys turn the ball over a little bit more. That's where you're going to get those transition buckets. And I think that's what really helps them. So I think that's probably the difference between game one and game two, just the uncomfortability that they put on them. Because, I mean, they they stole one from Denver, uh, and that's super important within a series. You know, whether mm-hmm. or not Denver's not going to come and take mm-hmm. two in Miami, that is what it is. But it is Miami. It's loud. It's fast-paced. We've seen that it you know, could have maybe an effect on some people. So I just, I don't know. I think that's probably in game one. I think they're just, they're too big. They slowed the game. If Miami can continue to think that'll be them. Yeah. I think a lot of been has been said kind of like you mentioned is the difference in how Miami defended Jokic in the two games. Um, and, you know, the first game they kind of, um, I don't want to say uh, laid off of him, but they kind of let him, they kind of didn't want to let him take over scoring. And of course he had a great game assist wise and, that's really what Jokic wants to do um, is kind of be the leader of the offense and get other guys going. Whereas in game two, um, they really just were like, we're going to let him, we're basically going to let him score um, and try to minimize the effects of his passing. And while Jokic, I think had 41 points in game two, um, you know, we see that, 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 that led to a Miami win. So I think a lot have been said about that. And, but also I think it also, leads down to Miami's shooting essentially in that um, in game one, they didn't shoot the three very well at all. Um, Kind of fell behind in that area. Um, I think they shot 
not very good. <laughs> Anyways, they shot more like themselves in the regular season, which uh, they didn't shoot the ball well at all in the regular season, whereas in the playoffs, they have been on fire. Whereas in game two, they shot, I think it was 49% from three. Um, and yeah, essentially 49% from three and 49% from the field. So 49% from three is a huge number. Um, and if Miami's making all of those threes, that's going to be a really tough team to stop. So um, I think that that's kind of going to be a big, a big piece of it too, is like both these teams shoot a lot of threes, both these teams make a lot of threes. So, um, you know, it might be oversimplifying it, but you know, whoever shoots, shoots better from three is going to be a huge part of this series. Um, but there's also a lot of interesting, like little tidbits and stats that I, I found that I wanted to, to mention on here. Um, and from game one itself, uh, Jokic joined Jason Kidd as the only player to ever have a triple double in their NBA finals debut. We know Jokic is a triple double monster, so it's not super surprising, but um, him only being the second person to do that in their debut is pretty noteworthy. Uh, Jokic is 14 assists in that game one were the most ever in a finals debut. Um, and these two I found even more interesting. Jokic and Murray were the second pair of teammates to ever have 25 over 25 points and 10 assists in a finals game, joining Magic Johnson and James Worthy back in 1987. And in game one, uh, Jokic had 12 field goal attempts, which is the fewest field goal attempts in a 25-point playoff triple-double since Magic Johnson in 1980. Um, and so a lot of comparisons to, to Jokic back to, to Magic Johnson, which I think is really interesting. You don't see them getting prepared, compared too often to each other. But if you think about it, it kind of is a good comparison where even though Magic played the point guard, he was like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, really tall for that position, uh, especially at the time. So that's an interesting comparison. And of course, one that a lot of people talked about in game one, and I think this was a huge difference maker too, the Heat only attempted two free throws, um, which is the fewest in a playoff game in NBA history. Um, and Normally, you'd look at two free throws and say, oh, man, you know, the refs missed a lot of calls. The refs kind of were favoring the Nuggets. That wasn't really the case. The Heat just weren't really attacking that much. Um, I think they knew they had kind of a disadvantage on the inside. Um, and then in, in game two, they ended up changing its starting lineup and they ended up putting uh, our guy, Kevin Love, back in the starting five. Um, and, you know, he didn't have crazy numbers. He had six points and 10 rebounds. But that seemed to help them, at least from the beginning of the game, not feel so overmatched size-wise. So I think that'll be interesting to see. If they stick with that, I think they, they probably will. Um, but again, if, if we're not uh, going back to this conversation again, but Kevin Love is, is contributing to an NBA Finals team, um, which, you know, uh, we've talked at length about his, his uh, exodus, exodus from Cleveland and yeah. Um, whether that was the right choice or not, but he at, is at contributing. Point, <laughs> at this point, I just want them to win. So, you know, back <laughs> on here with Dom and, and just ask him, you know, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Interesting, Dom. Interesting, Dom. Hmm. Hmm. And <laughs> I have another 45-minute discussion about it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think David was yeah. on the other side of that argument, too. So uh, we can make fun of yeah. David. But it's not over yet, I suppose. Maybe Kevin Love goes out and shoots 0 for 15 yeah, in the next three now, games. Now, now he'll lay eggs. <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting to see to see where things go. And another two things after game two that I found really interesting is after game two, the Heat got their 13th win of the playoffs, which is the most ever for an eight seed, beating the 1999 Knicks team that made it to the finals. 
And before game two, Denver had not lost a game since May 7th, which is a month ago from when we're recording this right now. Um, you know, being as they swept the Lakers and then had a long layoff in between the finals. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they respond when they really haven't haven't lost in, in a month, which is kind of crazy to say in the NBA. But um, do you guys have anything else you want to add on any of those two games before we maybe go into a couple predictions for where you think the series will go from here? Uh, no, other than the fact that we've had a lot of fun facts on this episode. Hey, I, I was scrolling <laughs> on Twitter. I was seeing all these fun facts. I was going boom, boom, bookmarking all of that. <laughs> um, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff. And I feel like with the finals, there's always, um, you know, it's always like those history making stats that, that I found really interesting. So I'm sure more will happen in these next, whether it's three or five games here coming up. So, um, all right. Well, then we'll hop into the next part, which um, I kind of always make you guys do here. So uh, don't blame me, but I always want to hear what your guys' predictions are for some of these series as we're going. And of course, this is the biggest prediction prediction out there. So whoever wants to start, I'll, I'll let you take it away with what your prediction is for the rest of this final series, you know, who you think will win. And, you know, if you have any reasonings as to as to why you're feeling that way. You know what? I'm going to say it's going to go seven games. All the way. Um, but I still think Denver will pull it out. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat won either. But if I'm going to put money down, I would say Denver and seven. You want to throw something out there, Nick? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's I know I'm putting tough... you guys on the spot. <laughs> no, it's a tough one. Because I, I just, I, I want to say Denver's going to win. But I just, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's, that's the tough thing. Is like, you just don't. I guess you don't you don't know what you're gonna get from Miami every night, and they're so they're so hot, and then when they're cold, they're so cold. So it's like it just depends on if they if they can go on a little run. So I'm I'm gonna make a bold prediction here because I think if it gets to a game seven back in Denver, they're not Denver's not gonna let mm. them win there. I'm gonna say Miami Miami goes up three one. They go back to Denver for game five. Denver wins. Miami wins. I don't think it gets them because I think if it gets to a game seven, if Miami lets it get there, they're not gonna. And Denver's. But I just I have this weird feeling there that like game one they didn't really lose that bad. They didn't really play that awful. It almost felt like a feel out game for them. And then in game two they were like, okay, this is what we need to do to. Win. And I think that they don't care what they have to do. They don't care how tired they are. They don't care how much their body hurts. And they're just going to go out there and they're going to they're just going to do whatever they can to win. and i think you know as as much as we talk about kevin love it's not like he's setting the world on fire but he's a guy <laughs> who wants a championship he's a guy who's been there before he's a guy in the locker room that can be like this is what it takes um and i think that that's valuable i think if he's hungry enough to get another championship i think he'll kind of go out there and show that and i think if they get tyler hero back he's not going to start but if he can come off the bench He's going to be healthy. And if he can shoot like we know he can shoot, that's mm -hmm. another guy that can just go off for 20 points for them. And they don't have to like be like, they can just be like, okay, uh, we're going to scheme for Duncan tonight. We're going to scheme for Caleb Martin tonight. We're going to scheme for, you know, Tyler Hero tonight. Jimmy, you can just kind of chill out and rest in the fourth quarter, go off and score 20 points. I mean, that's just, and I think Bam, just do your thing on the inside. You know, I think that's, that's their game plan right now. And I think they go on like a little bit of a run. Denver starts to panic. They come out in game five win pretty big people are like okay here they go they're gonna come they're gonna come back we're gonna get a game seven and six i don't know i just i've been wrong so <laughs> <laughs> i was right about the lakers making you it did have the lakers i will say 
Yes, I, I just was wrong about them making it to the finals, but I just, I don't know. It's it's so hard to bet against Miami, but it's it should be easy because they're so volatile. Like I said, they're they're very much hot and cold, and I just, I, I don't know. I just don't know what we're going to get. So I think game three will mm-hmm. be a big, if, if they come out and they win that game, then we could be like, okay, let's see what game four looks like. And if they go up 3-1, that's going to be tough. It's going to be mm-hmm. tough to come back. <laughs> tough. I like it. I like what you're predicting there. Um, I'll say a couple things. Uh, Kevin Love, of course, wants another championship, but don't discount um, Udonis Haslam as another guy in the locker room. <laughs> you know, old man Udonis. Uh, I think him and Kevin Love are the only guys on the Heat, at least I can think of, that have championships um, for this current Heat team right now. Besides, Kyle of course, Lowry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Lowry and, of course, um, their coach, Eric Spolstra, who – I think throughout this playoffs has really shown that he's really the best coach in the league right now. It's it's hard to say against Popovich because like Popovich's teams haven't been competitive. We know what he can do, but at the same time, I think Spoelstra has really shown a lot as a coach in this playoff run. Um, but I think I'll kind of go on the, the opposite end of what you said, Nick. And I think that Denver is so consistent to be, compared to where Miami can be so up and down um, that I'll pick pick the other side of this and I will say I'll be happy if either of these teams win because it's going to be a great story either way of course you have the heat being an eighth seed getting all the way if they win the championship that's of course going to be history um but then it will also be the side of you know if the Nuggets win it's their first championship and their team's franchise's history and also it kind of gets to take away that narrative of you know Jokic won two MVPs but he can't do anything in the playoffs like uh it'll be similar to what what happened with Giannis, you know, a couple of years back when Giannis had won two MVPs, but everyone kind of doubted what he could do in the playoffs and he ended up winning a championship. So I'll be happy to see either of these teams do it. Um, but the way I think things will kind of go down is I do think Denver is going to win this next game in Miami. Um, and then I think Miami will come back and get game four to make it a two, two series. Um, and I do think Denver will end up winning game five back in Miami. And I think we see a lot of times when a team's up three, two, uh, they know how dangerous it can be if they give a team to get a chance for game seven. So I think then Denver will will end up winning that game six in Miami. But when I was thinking about this, I really thought back to, and Denver really reminded me of the 2020 Lakers team in that they really built the perfect supporting cast around their two stars, right? Like the Lakers had, they had Kuzma, they had Caruso, KCP, who, you know, he's here again, <laughs> um, Dwight Howard and Rondo around their two guys in LeBron and Anthony Davis. Whereas Denver now has Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., KCP again, uh, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green around Jokic and Jamal Murray. And I think we've kind of, for a while in the NBA, it was really big threes. Everyone was building these big threes, and that's what was winning championships, you know, with the Heat and, um, you know, even further back with the Celtics and things like that. But I think we've seen a lot of teams shift to where they're like, okay, Big three, that's going to really deplete our depth, right? We're not going to have enough money to pay quality role guys. Whereas if we have two stars, which I think now Jamal Murray is kind of proving that he is a star in this league, and we can really get the perfect pieces around them, I think that's the way to be successful, at least in this current like stage of where we are in the NBA. Um, and so I, I think you know the fact that Denver has these guys, a lot of shooting around Jokic, which we know, you know if you try to double-team Jokic or... Uh, you try to make Jokic a passer, he's just going to find the guy no matter what. Um, and if the guys can make shots, it's going to be successful for Denver. Um, but also, 
even though their defense has been, we've talked about it, their defense has been, you know, a cause of concern and why a lot of people didn't have them going this far, their defense has really stepped up in these playoffs. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon, of course, getting that final stop on LeBron in the Western Conference Finals. Jokic has even been better defensively. Michael Porter Jr. has been better defensively than, you know, a lot of people thought he was, myself included. And of course, KCP um, is just that perfect, like, 3 and D guy at this point. So um, I think that Denver's going to get it done. I think they have that perfect supporting cast around their two stars. And ultimately, I don't think, I just don't see Miami being able to outscore Denver three more times. Um, the, the ultimate thing I looked at was that in game two, Miami shot nearly 50% from three, which isn't, you know, super common. I would say 40% from three is a, a really good shooting game from three. And they still only won by three points. And Jamal Murray had a chance to tie it on the last second shot. So I just have seen so much more consistency from Denver. And I think that they will be able to pull it out and get it done. But at the same time, like I said before, um, not necessarily rooting for anyone uh, because I would be happy to see either of these teams win. And I do hope, even though I said six, I do hope it goes seven just so we get, you know, as many good NBA Finals basketball games as possible. Cool. Anything you guys want to want to add on before we wrap this episode up? All right. Very good. Well, it's been a fun one. Um, thanks, everyone who tuned in. Uh, let us know um, your thoughts. If you see this on social media or anything down in the comments, how you think this NBA Finals series will go. Um, you know, we will be watching closely um, and we will update you with, you know, what happens next and then ultimately probably go into, you know, maybe some offseason talk. Maybe we'll get into some WNBA talk um, in these next couple weeks and months here on Nothing But Net. Um, but thank you, everyone who did listen. This has been another episode of Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sorts, and we will see you all next time.